welcome in everyone to the Hustle With Us podcast. You're back for another edition. We're back for another edition. I got Craig over there on the other line, back for another edition. Craig, how are we doing today? It's great. Perfect summer weather. Everything is good. Can't complain. No, we, we're hot, and so are, the, so are the players that we're interviewing here. We just got off the line with Mr. Dustin Sleva. He's playing over there in Paris right now. Got signed right out of, right out of Shippensburg University, where he set a few records there himself. I mean, Craig, this guy has just determination and grit written all over him. What do you think? Yeah, and throughout our conversation, he was talking about how he it, he builds a strategy, and then he's methodical, working towards that strategy, and he's always pushing himself, setting goals, longer term goals, um, and you can see that he's got a vision of where he wants to go and how he wants to continue to build in his career. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with. Uh, that element of the conversations. And then, you know, he's got some great stories, has some great drills to recommend, just overall good interview. Definitely. Yeah. And, and this guy, and he talks about in his interview here, he needs that determination because he, he grew four inches in college and, you know, was definitely a late bloomer in terms of developing his skills and developing his playing ability to where it is now. And just just to show to some of you folks out there, maybe you're not to the level that you want to be, but it's never too late. Just got to keep at it. Keep that determination going. And uh, good things will definitely come for you in the long run. And hey, we're going to get to the interview real quick. But before we do, just make sure you guys, of course, are liking, downloading, subscribing to the podcast, uh, telling all your friends about how beneficial it is to your game. And go ahead and download that Hustle app as well. Just search Hustle with us on all of your app stores. So let's just get right into it here. Mr. Dustin Sleva. Before we get to our interview, a quick word about the Hustle Sports Training app. Are you an athlete trying to improve your skills or a youth sports coach trying to develop an effective training program? Look no further than the Hustle app. Hustle is the simplest way to learn new sports skills, period. We partner with coaches and trainers at all levels to produce instructional videos and training plans that will help you to improve your fundamentals and master those advanced techniques. Whether you're building out your practice plans or looking to improve your form, techniques, or fitness, Hustle has a training plan for you. Download our app in iTunes or on the Google Play App Store by searching Hustle Training or visit our website at hustletraining.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook by searching Hustle With Us. Get a leg up on your competition with Hustle. All right. Welcome in, everyone. We have with us on the line Mr. Dustin Sleva himself, Shippensburg University alum. Holds a couple of records there, including all-time leading score with 2,071 points. Also the all-time leading rebounder and all-time leader in double-doubles. You could say he had quite the successful career there at Shippensburg, and now he's playing over there in Europe in LNB Pro B for the, Bear, for the Paris Basketball League. Did I miss anything there, Dustin? No, that sounds good. That sounds All perfect. right, just making sure. You know, I was going to break out the French accent, but, of course, uh, you know, I don't want to offend anyone out there. <laughs> all good awesome well dustin let's start off where we start off with all our guests here we want to hear your story we want to hear your transition from playing you know small ball out there in pittsburgh for in in high school all of a sudden you're playing for shippensburg all of a sudden you're dominating in the PSAC league and then moving on to play over in europe give us that progression what was that like and, and just tell us a little bit about it yeah so um 
basically I was, I was a really, really late bloomer. You know, you see a lot of guys, you know, they go, they get the division one offers, even though they, they bloom late. Well, I was, I grew four inches in college. So my route wasn't the, uh, the wow. smoothest. So even in high school, you know, I remember playing freshman. I didn't make the JV team. I was playing freshman ball. I was a point guard on a freshman team. I was about five, nine, five, ten. Sophomore year grew a little bit more. I was like six, one. I was a little chubby, very awkward. You know, I really didn't hit uh, puberty yet. And um, I had a couple of good coaches at Montour, uh, Darren Tilsch and Adam Kaufman, who really helped me. But they were really hard on me early because, um, you know, it wasn't easy, always easy for me because I wasn't always the best player. I had I always had the skill, but I wasn't physically ready. So in sophomore year, I just played JV, didn't play varsity at all. My junior year, I got hurt in the summer. I played half the year, ended up winning a WPL state championship and losing in the state semis, but I didn't even start my junior. I might have averaged like five points a game. Um, I was maybe sixth, seventh man, played like half the year. Uh, and then my senior year is where I really broke out. You know, I always worked hard. I always knew I wanted to play professionally. And um, I always had that mindset that I was going to grow and I was going to be able to do this. Well, how did you know you were, you were going to grow? You, you had a, like a tall family. You came from a basketball yeah. family or, so, or what? My dad played football. My mom, she was a softball player. My mom's 5'10". My dad's 6'4". My dad grew really late. Um, I knew I was either going to grow and get really tall or I was going to either come into myself. Because in my senior year, I was about 6'3", 6'4", you know, decent height. I was playing like the 3, the 4, the 5, whatever my team made me. You know, I averaged 20 and 10 my senior year. And um, it was it was enough to get me – uh, for Coach Fight to give me a full scholarship to Shippensburg. And that I was going to go to prep school because he didn't even give me a scholarship until, you know, late. Thankfully, there's a kid named Dylan Edgar who was a senior when I, was a, when I came in as a freshman. He forewent his scholarship so I could get a scholarship to go there. And um, thankfully he did that because um, that was the best decision I made. And it just so happened to work out for me. So, I mean, it was just endless hours in the summer, you know, hoping that I would grow, finally grow. I mean, I didn't even grow. I was still 6'4", 6'5", 190, soaking wet going in the, in the uh, college. So I wasn't really even ready to play at the PSAC level. Um, Shippensburg only won three games, and I didn't even know that going into there. I just bought into what Coach Fight was saying, the guys they had there, you know, the culture that he was trying to build. And Coach Fight was a, a lot like me when he played. He was 6'9". He played overseas. So I saw a path there that I could excel in. I didn't know I would be able to do the things I did there, you know, breaking um, the records. I remember looking at it after my freshman year, after averaging eight points and saying, there is no way I can even touch that. So, I mean, just from coming from that and every year we get better as a team. And um, another big process for me is um, I'm very uh, vocal. You know, uh, I talk, you know, I talk some stuff on the court, but <laughs> I do it in a manner where, you know, I get my teammates hyped up. I, I'm controlled manner and I'm throwing off the other guys. I don't do it where I'm uncontrolled. And I also, you know, talk to refs. And I think another good part is um, helping coach fight recruit with your guys to the, to Shippensburg. Cause we had a lot and um, I still help them today with guys and guys come play pickup with me and stuff. So I think just that, uh, that WPIL connection to Shippensburg really, you know, improved the program too. So I'm thankful that, you know, they gave me an opportunity and I was able to help the program too.
Right. Yeah. And it's funny how, you know, just one thing can really change the course there. Obviously, your training, your progression was key in getting you to Shippensburg, but you also had that friend there, that one little connection. And, you know, that one, that one domino falls, the rest seemed to fall along with it. Now, tell right. us a little bit about how that focus changed as you did progress from high school to college. Were you working more on your shooting, on your dribbling, on your balance? Was there one in particular? Was it everything? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I'd like to think I'm, I'm a pretty smart player when I play. When I shoot my shot, I make sure I spread my hand on the ball, I follow through, I hold my follow through, and I can pretty much tell when I'm messing up on my shot. So just from, just from shooting and um, the progression even from eighth grade to ninth grade was I shot the ball with two hands. And uh, from eighth grade to ninth grade, I wanted to shoot the ball with one hand. So that was the whole summer of shooting the ball, not with one hand, but like my, I'm not using my thumb on my guide hand. So there's just there's little things as each year goes on that I try to add. Um, one, the most important shot I ever developed is my jump hook, my right hand jump hook. I would say if I get to the right spot, I'm 90% at it. And that's just from I would shoot 200 right hand, 200 left hand. My left hand's not quite as good as my right hand, but um, I'm working on that a lot this summer. And um, each year, well, I try to implement two more aspects to my game. As, along with the other things that I do really well. So I would say my bread and butter is my post jump hook and my pick and pop three or my catch and shoot three. Those are the things I always work on. Nice. So you keep adding additional skills, uh, but sticking with that theme from high school to college, you know, how does, how does the drills that you, that you run, how does that change uh, between those two, those two eras? Honestly, I've been doing the same drill since I was in 10th grade because I had a great coach um, in, in high school. And there until she played at uh, Penn State, RMU, he bounced around a little bit. But he, he was really good and really, like, wanted to work at me. So I just work on basically the same stuff and um, finding new, new ways to improve my game, you know, um, get into the basket. I do that a lot, um, working on my left. And that, that transition from – High school to college is more a strength thing and more of a, um, more of a balance thing, I would say, because in high school you could get away with being a little skinnier, being a little scrawnier, but in college I had to be a good 220 to 230 to really dominate, you know, low block, low block and outside. So I would say the biggest thing from high school to college is getting that weight on you because a lot of high school kids come in very skinny and um, not getting too heavy, but getting a good weight where – you can jump really well and play really well. So you mentioned a couple of those areas, how you work on your left and how you get to the basket. Um, can you walk us through um, an example of a drill that you do to work on your left hand or work on uh, um, getting to the basket? Yeah, so with my left hand, I would just start at the top of the key. I would either have one of my brothers, um, either we'll find like a pad or we'll find, um, just use our hands. So we'll take, We'll do a couple of ball handling drills just to, you know, get our ball handling right. Nothing nothing that we'll probably do in the game, but just to get our pad right. And probably like a, a star position drill. So maybe in and out, in and out, in and out. Two dribbles into the pad. And when I lean into the pad, I lean my left hand out. So you get the body contact so the other guy can't jump and block it. We're also getting the rhythm of the shot. And um, – it's a really hard shot on your left hand. You know, I, I pretty much mastered it on my right hand. Um, and teams will find that out, and you're going to have to 
you know, especially pro, you have to implement that left hand to East go once or twice after you did the right a couple of times because they'll they'll really scout scout you um, out of that. So my big thing this year is doing that pad drill, getting in contact and finishing outside so taller and longer defenders can't block me. So that's that's one drill that um, I've been doing with myself and my brothers and a couple other kids that I train in the area. Nice. Great. Thanks. So you play over Chippensburg, you break all these records. Is there a favorite memory that you had walking out of there? So um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, IUP, oh, yeah. Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Yep, so uh, they're, like, they're like an hour and 15 from me. A lot of my friends in my high school go there. In high school, they didn't recruit me. Um, I guess they didn't think I was good enough to go there. You know, I was little. Um, but whatever, I kind of used that as a chip on my shoulder. So we go there and play there my junior year. And it's uh, they have a multi-million dollar facility, probably holds about 8,000. All my friends are there. Um, and we played them and beat them in overtime. And I had my career high. And, you know, I'm me, I talk a lot. So, you know, I'm talking to the coach saying how he didn't recruit me. <laughs> you know, just, just something. <laughs> just something. Um, I try to go in every game, just a little chip on my shoulder. But that one, it was just – there was too many chips on my shoulder to where, you know, I, I – that was my favorite game of all time because all my friends were there. My whole family was there. Um, the place was sold out. I love playing in big crowds. And um, it was a place that didn't recruit me in a place where I would probably wanted to go because, you know, one, it's a fun school. Two, all my friends go there. And three, uh, their basketball program is really good. But I'm happy that they didn't recruit me and I was able to go to Shippensburg and start our, my own type of culture there. And, you know, the chips kind of just fell where they fall in place, you know. Right, exactly. Like like we said, those dominoes. If you went to uh, if you went to IUP, it could have been an entirely different situation for you. Right. So you're there in college. You're you're taking down all these uh, all these records. Is there was there a time maybe during your junior senior season where you saw yourself actually being able to attain that goal? And how did you go about reaching that goal? If if you did set it, or did these records just kind of come about? I, let me know because I personally I don't hold the all time leading scoring record at any university. Believe it or not. Right. Yeah, well, the scoring part was was honestly just came as, you know, my work and everything. And as soon as you work as much, like I try to get three workouts in a day, one lifting, one shooting and like skill work and one playing. Um, so I the skill kind of in scoring, the, the, the biggest thing for me was getting rebounds. So my I remember my sophomore year, there's a kid from Westchester. Can't remember his name right now, but he used to attack the boards really hard. And I remember our coach put it on film early in the year, like, you know, we got to box his kids out. He goes hard at every board. He's about 6'5". He doesn't weigh as much as me. And I was just thinking to myself, why, why am I not doing that? So just, just little things like that. And um, so my sophomore year is when I really started to rebound a ball. I think my freshman year, I didn't even have one double-double at all. I don't think I had 10 rebounds in one game at all. And um, I think my sophomore year, after watching – his tape, I uh, averaged 11 rebounds through my sophomore, junior, and senior season. So just, <laughs> it's really it. A lot of players, you know, they help you with your game and stuff. Like, so my thing is just, I try to go everywhere and play. I'm going down to Charlotte next week. I'm playing in um, the the basketball tournament we play at uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And I wasn't gonna go, but because it's in Charlotte, we have to go down there for a week. But I said, why not? I'll go train for a week down there and go play against Kentucky. It's gonna be on ESPN too, so that's just stuff I like to do. I like the hoop. I'm bringing my brother, so it should be fun. And just little stuff that that I think every player should take from 
watching other people play, what's their go-to move? And think about why, why don't you have that move? Why can't you practice that move if they're so good at it? So, I mean, just a more mental, like think of the game mental and what you can do and what other people can do. Nice. So um, let's stick with the, the mental game. You know, how did that develop? You know, where did that come about? Did you always have that focus or is that um, something that you developed while you were in, yeah. in college? I don't I, I remember in fourth grade because I used to play on an AU team. You know, I'm from I'm from the Keys Rocks. It's like, you know, it's not the best area, but it's not the worst. And I used to go play in uh, inner city in Pittsburgh. My whole AU team was from the inner city. And um, we were the Dewan Blair All-Stars. Dewan Blair was our sponsor or whatever. And um, I remember I remember a kid in fourth grade doing a hesitation dribble. And I kept jumping every time. And I was just like, how, how do you do that? Like, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, I want to get people to jump in the air every time. You know, I fake shot and stuff. And um, I remember just him, he was just like, just do it like this. And I just kept practice doing it like that, like he did. And I never got it to the way he did it, even from fourth grade. But, you know, I got a lot better at it. And um, I think from an early age, I just recognized how other people's games were different than mine. And I tried to implement their game into my game. It wasn't. I think it just, and that just developed and that helped me develop throughout the years. Nice. Yeah. A lot of hard work. It paid off through high school into college. And then the opportunity came up to play professionally. Um, how did that come about? Tell us the story. How did you kind of hear about these types of opportunities? Did you have a connection? Like how did you, how did you move to that next step? Yeah, so um, it's a lot easier if you're Division Two and have that All-American status. There's like 16 of us. So I was two-time first-team All-American because you it's like any job interview. You have to have some type of resume to uh, at least play overseas, you know. You have to have a certain height, a certain – you know, it's easier for big man, harder for guards because there's more guards. So, you know, I was – I'm fortunate enough to be 6'8 and have the skill set that I have. And I was fortunate enough to be on a team that allowed me to be All-American two times. So um, coaches, I remember asking my coach, like, how do you find me in Paris? He said, I look at the All-Americans from D2 every year because you can find um, diamonds in a rough basically there. So um, I was thankful to have that for my team. And um, so basically what happens, you get an agent. The agent sends out a list to teams. They usually have a couple niche markets like mine. My agents is Germany, France a little bit in Spain and a little bit in Italy. So I kind of knew I was going to go to one of those countries. So um, it just so happens that Paris um, coach really liked my film, my size and my, my skill. So it just happened where he offered me a contract probably late August, like early August. And I ended up going there in a week. So it was a little stressful up to that point, but uh, I was happy that, you know, the dominoes fell where they at, where I was in a great city of Paris. Um, and a great team who's looking to be, you know, EuroLeague in the next four years and build an arena in Paris. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be on a team where they're trying to be one of the best in Europe, which would really improve, you know, my status and how much money I make. So mm -hmm. how did how things go this season? Uh, they went well. You know, I, um, I led the team in uh, points at 10, 10.7, I think. You know, professional is a little different. You know, everybody plays around like 22 minutes because everybody's getting paid. Um, I also re led the team in uh, evaluation, which is a number that European uh, teams use a lot. And uh, it's just accumulation or like rebounds, 
assists, steals, uh, turnovers, negate those points, and all every every stat it, it goes into evaluation. So, you know, and I was blessed that they um, they offered me a two year contract and I signed it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, talking about those stats, do you set um, individual goals for yourself? Um, I do. Like um, at Shippensburg, I wanted to at least average twenty one, twenty two, and that's not a selfish thing, but I wanted to average that on 55, 56% shooting and 40% from the three and 85 from free throw, even though I never did that. But um, those are some goals that I set for myself at the beginning of the year to help my team and help myself. So there's always like next year, I want to improve my scoring by at least two and average 12 and get my rebounds up to six and shoot 45% from three and 90 from the free throw and 50, uh, 55 from field goal range. So they're just each year you have to set those goals to, but you want, you don't want to pressure yourself and they get in those goals, but it's always good to set those goals to, you know, try to attain some and never, and never just go into the dark into the season. You know, I always write down my goals on a piece of paper just to make sure, you know, I'm focused on that. Got it. So give us, give our listeners a little bit of insight here. What's the, uh, what's the talent, level that you're playing against over there in Europe? Is it similar D2 players? What's the player makeup? Is it, is it European players for the most part? So if people say they play basketball in Europe, it's always not the greatest league. But I'm fortunate that I was in a good league, you know, just on my team alone. Um, I had Chris Joseph, who was drafted in the NBA. He played at Syracuse. Um, and uh, he played a couple years in the NBA for the Celtics and the Boston and uh, he's been in Europe for a couple of years. He was on our team. I had Nick Kellogg, whose dad is Clark Kellogg. He played. He took UNC to the um, – he took uh, Ohio to the Sweet 16, and they lost to UNC in overtime. Um, also had Javon Shepard, who played at Michigan, um, and Daniel Dillon, who played back in the day, probably like 2006 and seven out of Arizona. So, I mean, the level of talent in my league is mostly um, – mid-major high-level guys who, you know, usually scored a lot in college or played, had their cup of tea in the NBA and came over. Um, but you could get a lot of leagues where, you know, there's mostly D2 guys and mostly, you know, you may not be having, um, you know, all the luxuries that, you know, I get to have in France. But that's not to say those those guys aren't any better. That's just the, you know, those guys, Some sometimes they don't get, you know, they weren't fortunate enough to have a team where they could be all American. So they have to go to a lower level and try to make their way up, you know, so you don't get many D three guys over in Europe. And um, it's a fair game to play because there's only one American on my team next year in France. So, um, and there's, there's three continents. So you can have a Jamaican passport and you get three more spots to be on a team. Now for me, I only have an American passport. So, I only got one chance for 18 teams in my league. So it's a little harder for Americans to get over there. You know, there's not 12 spots for Americans. There's about eight spots for French, three for like African or like if you live in Europe and you want to play in France and you're not French or, you know, you're, you got a passport in one of those countries. So it's a little harder than people think. So, um, yeah, it's the level of competition is very high. Right. Yeah. No, I just asked for, I know our guy, some of our guys are playing in college right now, wondering what they want to do at the next level, and that just definitely gives them a little bit of insight there. So yeah, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned earlier you uh, you were a little bit of a late bloomer. You actually grew four inches while in college, which obviously helped add to your game uh, from every aspect, the rebounding and everything else. Uh, what did you do to elevate your game 
to a point where you could play over there in Europe. Uh, so obviously you didn't hit another growth spurt, I assume. Was it right. just, you know, hitting more time in the gym? Was it uh, watching more players? Was it, what, what was it for you? So there, Europe is a, is a little different. So um, one thing I struggled with early, you know, the three point lines a little bigger, a little longer. So I'd adjust shooting a little bit farther than my drills and the corner is very tight. So you really got to jump on two feet in the corner and shoot the ball instead of catching it one, two, because you might step out of bounds. And um, another thing is they call the travel. I'd like to pump fake and I step with my right leg first before I put the ball down. In Europe, that's a travel. In America, it's, uh, it's not a travel. So that was one of my go-to moves where I had adjust. I adjusted a little bit over the summer because I had a European coach who tried to teach me, but I didn't really understand how much that they'll call it and how much I needed to work on it. So a lot of scrimmages early on, you, I caught myself traveling a lot because I would pump fake, step on my right, and then dribble, which is a travel in Europe. So hmm. I had to work on pump faking, keeping my right leg high. It was a trick that one of my teammates taught me. And, and like, slide, dribble, and get into the hoop. So um, that's one thing that's different in Europe. So now I'm just working on those things. Plus I'm working on um, a fadeaway shot where I bump extend my leg and uh, hold my follow through. And just like I said, add in to your bag each year, you know, two different things while working on your bread and butter. Got it. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like uh, the, the crab dribble will be legal in Europe either. So no, that's good to no, know. No, Especially right, so- for Americans. They know who the Americans are. And they, they're just waiting to call it. The, the <laughs> I'll bet you got a target on your back. Right. Um, all right. Let me ask you here. Obviously at Hustle, we're all about the technology in, in sports training. And we have our app built for all our young athletes to get on there and develop their own training plans. Uh, do you utilize technology in your training? And, and where do you see the future of technology in sports training going? You know, I don't really use the technology in my training because I really don't have it. You know, I just I just go play. Um, I've seen a lot of trainers use um, those lights for quick reaction. I know Steph Curry uses that a lot. I think those are very good. Um, I couldn't tell you what other technology things there are. I know there's a couple balls that help you or whatever, but um, I, th- I think I think tech- anything can help when training. You know, if I had to. If I had the tools, you know, I'd use it. The the one thing that I use probably technical is the shooting gun. Um, that's my favorite because I could shoot by myself. I could get 500 shots in, in about 45 minutes, you know, with that. But um, I think making that shooting gun a lot more efficient and if someone can create something a little bit better, or maybe I could do it for jump hooks and stuff like that because sometimes the ball gets stuck, the machines break real easy. Maybe something in that type of field where it's a shooting machine, um, quick reaction drills, you know, anything that can help technology-wise is, is a great benefit to the game. Got it. Yeah, and I think with the, uh, with the light things you were talking about, that's like the blackout goggles, right, that uh, kind of block your vision out? Yeah, they have like the blackout goggles, and then there's like the lights that light up, and you got to tap real fast. Right. You know, I think all that's good because it, it's, um, it gives you kind of like the game reps without, you know, actually playing the game and – and really uh, doing your body a little bit more damage than you have to, you know? Exactly. It's all about conserving the body, you know? Yep, and increasing that reaction time as well, obviously. So that's awesome, Dustin. Well, definitely appreciate your time here tonight. Uh, We want to get into something here that we do with all our guests. It's a little bit of rapid-fire round. You know, we are the the shooting machine right now. You're just catching and shooting. How's that sound? All right, that sounds good. All right, let's get get right into it then. We'll start off real easy – uh, favorite sports movie of all time, Dustin? Favorite sports movie, Benchwarmers. 
Good one. What is the best warm-up music before a big game? Um, I listen to a lot of – last year, I would listen to White Iverson before every game in college. <laughs> I don't know why. That was just my song. <laughs> That's great. Hey, once you find a groove, you stay in it. All right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pregame, uh, best pregame meal? Uh, I usually go salad, chicken, and whatever vegetables I have in my fridge. Yeah, try, try to keep it light. Good, healthy stuff. Um, what's your favorite basketball shoe of all time? I love the KDs. I think it was the KD 10, but the air bubble always popped. And I liked the KD 4 with the strap. Those are my two favorite. Nice. All right. Keep it, keep it modern then. Love it. All right. Well, Dustin, uh, we're going to let you go here. Definitely appreciate your time again. I mean, to hear from a, from a professional's mindset like your own, especially one that's living and dreaming it right now, uh, that's always definitely helpful for our listeners and for us as well as we continue to learn about what, what all is out there. Now, before you go, let's hear where we can find you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, all of it, and uh, anything else you want to drop for us before we let you go. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, sleeves. 14 S L E E V S one four and uh, Twitter is two sleeves two S L E E V S. And that's about it. That's about all the social media I use. There you go. That's all you need. I'll tell you. All right, Dustin, appreciate it one more time. Uh, we're definitely going to definitely gonna be trying to stream some of these games this year. Stay up to speed on you, see how you're doing. And uh, hopefully we can talk to you a little bit down the line for sure. Yeah, Dustin. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.